This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. It's been three years since Philadelphia became the first large American city to enact a soda tax. The tax at one and a half cents per ounce or about a quarter on a 20 ounce bottle of soda was designed to improve health outcomes by lowering consumption of sugary drinks. The money from the tax was earmarked for pre-K education and a variety of other city programs, but is met with strong resistance by soda manufacturers, grocery stores, and restaurants who say the tax has negatively impacted their businesses. A team of economists did an assessment of the soda tax, analyzing health benefits and the impact on consumer behavior. Their results were just published in the Quarterly Journal of Economics. Ben Lockwood, who's an assistant professor of business economics and public policy here at the Wharton School, co-authored the paper, Regressive Sin taxes with an application to the optimal soda tax. And it's a pleasure to have Ben back in studio with us. Good to see you again. Hey, great to be here. So, so when we had you in here f- the first time, uh, we were talking about this in the concept and you were getting ready to do this research. And so now that you have, we have moved on further, let's first, I guess, take the listeners into the exact research that you did and some of the outcomes that, that you were able to determine. Sure. So, um, to sort of start off, we're thinking big picture. When we know that there are some benefits of these kinds of taxes that you can reduce harmful uh, the consumption of harmful goods, you can reduce sort of social costs for healthcare spending. We also think there are some costs, some downsides of these kinds of taxes. You know, fundamentally, people like doing things that are sometimes not great for them, and we want to take that into account. There's also some concern that these kinds of taxes can be regressive, since poor consumers often buy soda at higher rates. Yep. So we wanted to sort of take all of these different things into account and try to figure out on net, are these taxes sort of beneficial for society or are they harming society? So what'd you find out? And so it does look like on net, we, our, our estimates suggest these taxes are beneficial. Um, the, there are some substantial externalized health costs, meaning uh, there, there are some costs that the rest of society bears every time someone drinks soda, mm-hmm. something like 10 cents for every 12-ounce can of Coke, so not a trivial amount. And our estimates also suggest there are some sort of costs that consumers themselves don't take into account when they're drinking the soda. Mm-hmm. And so they're sort of actually made to some extent a little better off if they reduce their consumption a bit. Um, those those two effects actually outweigh the concerns about regressivity and, uh, and, and you know, the, the benefit that people get, the sort of enjoyment you get from drinking a Coke. And so on net, something like a tax between one and two cents per ounce is probably a good idea. So is that kind of the optimal tax that if, if – other cities were considering doing something similar to what Philadelphia has done. Is that kind of the ballpark that they really should be uh, be considering? So our guess is that the best the the optimal tax is somewhere between that one and two cent per ounce range. Um, now there are a couple caveats to that. Uh, one is that uh, we were mostly focusing on sort of the optimal high level tax, the optimal tax at the state level or even the national level. Um, when you drill down to really small localities, there's some concern that people can can sort of go outside the city or across the border to yeah. shop tax free. Yeah. There is some evidence that that happens uh, to some extent in in Philadelphia and a few other places that have passed these kinds of taxes. Um, so that undermines their effectiveness a little bit. They're probably still a good idea, but they're not quite as beneficial as right. they would be if people didn't didn't do that cross-border but shopping. But I, I would think that, that to a degree there would be a limitation in terms of that 
component specifically of people that, you know, really live on the edge between the city line and the suburbs, they would be the ones, you know, doing that actual activity in comparison to here in the city of Philadelphia of 3 million people of the majority of those people actually taking that kind of turn and and saying, I'm not going to buy a soda in the city. I'm going to if I'm going to get it, I'm going to go 10 miles outside the city to buy my soda. Yeah, I think that's right. So this is more of a concern. This kind of cross-border shopping is more of a concern in really small areas and in areas where it's really easy to go across a border and purchase elsewhere. Um, in larger cities or cities that are sort of separated from other nearby surrounding untaxed areas, mm-hmm. it's a bit less of a concern. Now, consistent with the point you just made, the estimates in Philadelphia are that even after you account for this kind of cross-border shopping, overall soda consumption is still down by over a third because of this tax. So it does right. not look like it's just sort of getting rid of the consumption reduction. Right, exactly. And that's, I think, one of the components that, that obviously is talked about a lot is the actual levels of consumption within the citizens here in Philadelphia, using that as the example of, of the idea is to try and reduce the consumption as much as you possibly can. But I don't know if there is an overall hope of, okay, we want 50% cut or we want 75% cut. You want to see as much as you possibly can. So this is one of the areas where I think economists sometimes think about this a bit differently from from sort of the general public. Okay. Um, we do want to allow for the possibility that people do like drinking soda and sometimes do like doing things that are a little bit bad for them. You know, there are some health costs of rock climbing and we don't want to prohibit rock climbing sure. because we think people people understand those things. So really our goal is to think about what is the tax that will sort of get people to act as if they were fully cognizant of the long-term health costs, even if that does mean they would still have a soda now and then. We think that's fine. We just don't want people sort of consuming so much that it suggests yeah. they don't understand what the what the long-term health effects are, and similarly for the health costs that fall on the rest of society. Now, the other part to this is, uh, as we were talking about before, is the idea of, the, of it being called a syntax. And the impact that that terminology can actually have on the process of either buying or not buying the actual product. Sure. So this is actually a really interesting point. Um, let me first say what, what we mean by the technical kind of definition of syntax and right. then and then a bit about what the implications of that language are. Um, so what we mean is basically there are a number of different reasons that you might want to have taxes in place uh, of any sort. You might want to raise revenue for government uh, projects, for public goods and the like. Um, you might want to sort of reduce inequality by, by taxing the rich more and, and uh, redirecting those resources toward the working class. Or you might want to try to change people's behaviors and you can mm-hmm. do that through through taxes or through subsidizing things that you think are good are, are, uh, are good activities um, and uh, and so when we talk about sin taxes we're really talking about that last category of taxes where you're trying to change people's behavior mm-hmm. both because the, that behavior might have a cost for the rest of society and because we do think that there are these sort of health harms that people aren't fully aware of right. when they're making their decisions now, one interesting side effect of these kinds of taxes, to your point about the effect of, of this sort of language, is that sometimes the mere discussion of them does look like it has an effect on sort of creating extra awareness about the, the costs and the downsides of, of this kind of consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a little less relevant for soda. Many people sort of have the sense that that's not a great thing for you. Right. But there are many, you know, things like fruit juices and Gatorades that are full of full of sugar and are probably not great either, but that people sort of think of as healthy health. Well, and I think there's also a, a significant difference when you're talking about a tax on soda in comparison to a tax on cigarettes. 
And, and, you know, you're talking about something that obviously has been proven, the impact that they can have on your health. And, and it's put on the warning labels, you know, with the warning labels on a pack of cigarettes. So there's a little, I think, a little bit of a difference in the, in the perception in that as well. Yeah, although I would emphasize that when cigarette taxes were first passed, there was still a lot more debate from tobacco companies and the like about sure. whether these were actually you know, creating long-term health benefits. They would often say there's no proven health benefit from these things because the health benefits take a long time to actually see the result of, of the tax. Right. And right now you're seeing similar sorts of arguments with respect to these, these soda taxes. So I think that the public health research on the effects of sugar is fairly clear at this point yeah. but because the taxes themselves are pretty early. It'll be a few years before we really see the benefits. From those. We are joined in studio by Ben Lockwood, Assistant Professor of Business Economics and Public Policy here at the Wharton School. Your comments, welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio, B-I-Z Radio 132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. You mentioned uh, before, in terms of, uh, of inner cities, obviously the impact that this can have on people of lower incomes in general. How does that factor into the, the most recent research that you did? This is a great question. So this is one of the things that we most wanted to understand with this research. What is Are these kinds of taxes sort of making, uh, making lower, lower income classes worse off or, or at the expense of, of, richer, of richer people or what? Um, and you hear very different arguments in this in this area. So Bernie Sanders originally opposed the soda tax on the grounds that it would take money away from poor consumers in Philadelphia. Uh, you'll also sometimes hear people make the argument that that because these taxes reduce health harms, they reduce things like diabetes and obesity, mm-hmm. which are most prevalent among poorer households. That actually sort of creates a more progressive benefit because they won't suffer these sorts of sort of long run harms. Uh, we take both of those things in to account in our estimates. Mm -hmm. And indeed, you see both of them are concentrated uh, on poorer households. They do pay more through through the tax, but at the same time, they do get the resulting health benefits. Um, So on net, it looks like the tax actually basically has a flat profile of benefits across the income distribution. And and part of of what has been discussed about here in Philadelphia is what that money is actually going for. And I mentioned pre-K education as part of it. But some of the other elements that the mayor here in Philadelphia, Mayor Jim Kenney, has talked about uh, is the ability to have other services back up and running, like the pools, the city pools here in Philadelphia. So he views that also, and get your opinion on it as well, that that ends up being a benefit for people in, in lower income brackets because of the fact that you're providing them more services during the summertime when, when you may really need them as well. Yeah, I think that's probably right. So this has been sort of an interesting um, change in the way that people talk about these sorts of, of taxes is really emphasizing the way that the revenue is going to be used and how it can often be sort of targeted back in some poorer communities that end up paying some more of the tax. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. In Long Beach, California, Joanne is on the line. Joanne, go ahead. Hi, my question is, why is there tax on diet soda? This is a great question. So um, so what we have sort of a number of principles, recommended principles for policymakers when they're thinking about designing these taxes. And one of the recommended principles is that they think about not including diet soda among the taxed goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
our sense and the sense I think from from public health researchers is that um, there may be some some health downsides of artificial sweeteners, but they do not seem to be as large or or sort of as well estimated as the negative costs of sugar. Yeah. And so, you know, although in the best possible world, you'd like to have people switching to water or something, it's probably on net better to have people switch to diet and away from regular. And when you yeah. tax diet goods, too, it sort of shuts down that channel of substitution. And then I will just to be honest with everybody listening to us, I am literally. I have a soda, and it is, and it's one of those zero calorie sodas. And, and so that you know, how does that type of product does it fall into the same same thought process that you're talking about? Right. So in Philadelphia, that soda is taxed. Yeah. In many other cities that have imposed these kinds of taxes, that that soda would be exempt. Many of them do exempt diet sodas. Our best guess at this point is that it probably is a good idea to, to, to exempt diet sodas or at least to have a much lower tax on them. Right. Um, so that's one way in which Philadelphia's tax could probably be improved a little bit. Joanne, thanks very much for the call and for the comments. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Even though you you are still seeing you are you have seen, I should say, that lower amount of people here in Philadelphia that may be consuming. Part of this also is the narrative that has been brought forward by the uh, the people, the companies that are not in support of the tax. Uh, as I mentioned, grocery stores, restaurants, etc., that they say that this has been costing jobs, and and that is uh, that's a narrative that obviously has been debated quite a bit here in Philadelphia over the last uh, over the last several months. Yeah, so this is an interesting argument. There is some new data out from Philadelphia, and some researchers have been looking at this. So far, there's no evidence of a net job reduction from these sorts of taxes. But one thing that I want to emphasize sort of at a higher level here is that these kinds of taxes, when you when you impose a tax on soda, people do indeed reduce their soda consumption. In fact, they reduce it by so much that their overall spending on soda goes down right. rather than up. And what that means right. is that they actually – it's not as if that money is, has disappeared. What, they, what that means is that they have more money in their pocket to spend on other things. Now, right. that other spending also generates jobs in other areas. The pre-K spending job generates jobs for additional teachers. So I think what we want to think of is at sort of a macro level – money is still there and being spent in different ways. It just might result in a, in a reallocation away from having quite so many supermarket aisles full of sugary beverages and toward other things. If you can, take us through, and we mentioned before what that kind of optimal tax would be. How do you get to that point? How do you gauge that? Is it the a part, obviously, the research and, and the evidence here in Philadelphia, but from other locations around the country as well? Sure. So I can kind of walk you through it. I, as I said, our estimate is that the optimal tax is some somewhere between one and two cents per ounce, and that comes from a few different components. So there is an estimate that there's a kind of negative external social cost from from drinking sugary beverages. Uh, when you drink a soda, you're more likely to get diabetes. You're more likely to be obese. That's that's a cost that Medicare has to bear. That's a cost right. that all the rest of us have to bear. That's estimated to be a little shy of one cent per ounce of soda consumption. Right. So that right there is a is a decent sized cost. Then there's also this cost of uh, of sort of the internal cost, the, the the cost that people don't think about, but that they themselves will bear when they're drinking soda. These things are hard to estimate, but I think a couple a couple observations are sort of helpful. First, among soda drinkers, we find that more than half of them actually say that they should cut back on soda. So that already suggests that that they would probably be a little better off if they uh, if they drank a bit less. We can use that kind of information to infer basically what those internal costs from overconsumption are. And mm -hmm. there we get an estimate of about another cent 
per ounce. So that adds up to almost two cents per ounce. Now the tax, because poorer consumers pay a little more sure. of it, it's good to reduce it a little below that. But that's where we basically get this estimate of one to two cents per ounce. How, how much farther can, can we take this research in, in terms of the health side? I mean, the, the economic side is obviously a very important component, but the health side continues to be uh, something where I, I think the message is being delivered. But in certain situations, the message won't obviously always be followed. Sure. So I think that the probably the 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 best sort of basket of policies involves a number of different things to try to get those messages across. So some taxes and some better uh, health education, some better labeling campaigns that sort of make it clear which things have lots of sugar and which things don't, right. and just general you know better education about these, these but, topics. But realistically, when you're talking about this from a policy perspective, uh, you're talking about something that realistically will be. I think always brought forward at the local level, at the city level, or you know maybe at the county level. It, I, I, it really, I don't think it will drive to a state level or a federal level. Will it in terms of soda specifically? I would be sort of surprised to see a federal tax on soda yeah. anytime soon. Now, the reason we we sort of think about that kind of policy in the paper is to get away from these issues of, of cross border shopping, which make it a little uh, uh, a little more complicated. Um, it would not surprise me if, in the medium run, in the next five years or something, we do see some discussion of of sweetened beverage taxes at the state level. There's already been some discussion of that in California, um, and and I think some early stage discussion potentially in Massachusetts. So it wouldn't surprise me if if we start to see that sort of thing. Can can some of this re- Research crossover to other areas, like obviously soda tax being one, but other taxes, other sin taxes that that are in place uh, in in general in the public right now. Absolutely. I think we can better understand things like the regressivity of cigarette taxes this way, thinking about both the, the, the costs to poorer consumers, but also the health benefits that they experience. And I think you can also think about, you know, if you flip the sign on a tax and interpret it instead as sort of a subsidy, a negative subsidy, we can think about energy efficiency subsidies. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. we subsidize the purchase of, uh, of electric cars, for instance, but a lot of those subsidies go toward richer consumers, which is sort of a, a regressive aspect we might not Love. You can use this sort of insight for those questions too. But the the, the challenge is taking the the terminology of tax and, and being able to change it around, and, and it's very hard. I think in many cities, and obviously in, in some of the the political realms that we see here in Philadelphia and other cities, to be able to get away from the fact that it, it is a quote unquote tax to show, and you can show them, but again, re- really drive home the benefits that can actually be in play there. Yeah, absolutely. And that is one reason that I think cities have found it helpful to really tie tightly together the tax and the uses for the revenues when they're making the case to the public, because then people can really see tangibly what this money is going for, going toward and how they're being made better off by it. Not to talk about the politics side of it, but but it is interesting that uh, that this is an issue in the current race for mayor here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, Mayor Kenny, the current mayor, is obviously a supporter of it. The other two uh, candidates are not supporters uh, of a of a soda tax. And so you almost also wonder about the potential negative impact if another person were in office and to take that tax out of play. 
Yeah. So here I don't think we know as much uh, about what the long run implications are when a tax is sort of go- gets repealed or gets put in place and then changed a lot or or, or what have you. Uh, in Cook County, where, where Chicago is, they actually had a soda tax and yeah. it got repealed. Yeah. Um, now, there is some argument that just having the discussion around the, the negative effects of sugary drinks is is somewhat beneficial in its own right. right. Um, but based on this on this evidence, my sense is that it would be a, a, a net bad for Philadelphia to have the tax repealed entirely. Do, do, does the does something like the median income play a role in terms of the impact of having these types of taxes in, in a city and, and maybe even different sections of a city where the median where the median income may be may be slightly different? In principle, it could. That's one reason we were really interested in how different parts of the income distribution would be made better or worse off by these kinds of taxes. Now, the interesting thing that we find is that because you sort of you have this kind of balancing out of the amount of money that people pay with the the amount of health benefits that they get, we actually find that to be pretty flat across the income distribution. So it does not suggest that it's sort of much worse to have these taxes in areas that are more poor or more rich or whatever. It's sort of beneficial across the board. What are the next steps, you think, in terms of your research in in these specific areas? So we are now doing some research to, you know, to some extent, this kind of research. uh, It's it's sometimes difficult to convince someone who's firmly opposed to these kinds of taxes to implement one in the first place. But there are many places where these kinds of policies are already being discussed. And there is some some opportunity to sort of tweak it a little bit to make the tax a bit better. So one thing that we're focusing on right now is trying to better understand uh, the improvements that could be made. One thing we're looking at is sort of encouraging uh, places to switch from volume-based taxes, where it's a cent per ounce or two cents per ounce, to a sugar-based tax, where mm-hmm. it's some number of cents per gram of sugar, so okay. that people are encouraged to switch to slightly lower sugar drinks, even if they're going to consume a sugary drink either way. So that's an example of another of an un- another ongoing project that we have that mm-hmm. we think could could sort of improve these kinds of policies. Yeah, I guess to a degree, the the, the soda companies are aware uh, of the impact of this. Obviously, they are fighting it tooth and nail. But that being said, by bringing out more and more of these products that have low sugar or no sugar, they are to a degree understanding that 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 this is an issue that that needs to be dealt with right now. And that's one of the goals of these kinds of taxes. Again, if you yeah. do have a sugar-based tax or if you exempt diet drinks, you, you can actually have an impact on the way that these products are manufactured and the way that they're marketed. And you and and that is sort of another channel of of benefit that you can have through what the suppliers are doing. Is it is it an expectation that we will you believe that we will continue to see these types of these types of uh, of ideas being brought forward more and more as we move forward because of the research and, and showing that there is a net benefit to having something like this. That's my guess. I mean, uh, you know, there are always bumps in the road, like in the case of, of Chicago's repeal tax. Um, but yeah. I am sort of an optimist uh, necessarily for for research and for evidence over the long run. And I do think that as we build the case and, and sort of show the economic benefits of these kinds of taxes, that in the long run, I suspect that more of them will be adopted, as was the case with cigarette taxes. Yeah. Great seeing you again, Ben. Thanks very much for coming in. Thanks Great, very much for having it. me. Look forward to talking to you again about this down the road. <laughs> sure thing. Thank you. Ben Lockwood, Assistant Professor of Business Economics and public policy here at the Wharton School. By the way, again, uh, the paper that uh, he was uh, one of the co-authors on uh, just published in the Quarterly Journal of Economics, Regressive Sin Taxes with an Application to the Optimal Soda Tax. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 